With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. In the one day since I've seen you, Hayden, how are you? Some new gear you're sporting. Yeah, we got hooked up with hoodies, these crewnecks. We got hooked up with underdog sweaters or Mm -hmm. uh, sweatpants. So Mm -hmm. I might not leave the house. So this might just be my, (laughs) I might die in this. I might never take these off. But these also might be worth a couple hundred million dollars eventually one day. as collectibles. We'll see. Yeah, well, one day. Uh, I think the reason why Underdog gives employees free gear is for to stop Nick Rudman from wearing the old draft gear that he does on every mm. single Zoom call and, and company meeting that we have. Um, I can't I, wait I to saw, wear those. I saw somebody in our Slack channel say that it's for employee retention. Like this is how they're going to keep <laughs> the employees at Underdog is just like keep giving us a nice new gear. sweatsuit. We knew they were coming. We did not know that they were also going to be Nike and yep. like actually very nice. This is, wasn't like they're hooking us up. I like it. Yep. I'm with you. We might have some uh, some T-shirt images and things on the way too, but we like to tease and we don't like to. Uh, we don't like to show. By the way, Hayden, I have some homework for you ahead of Friday morning's Previous show, I'll actually be in LA for, but not next to you, sadly. Uh, I want you to come with your New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution, and I'll give you mine now. It has to do with the show. I want to say less on these programs. I do an awful job of saying too much when it's my turn. Uh, this is still December of 2021, so it's not going to apply to this show. But in the future, I want to learn how to be more concise with my points and say less because you and I have these conversations. When I don't have enough to say, rather than just ending the point right there, I ramble and ramble and ramble. I want to get rid of that habit. So do I. Let's get let's get going. <laughs> Benjamin, good to see you. Cody, good to see you. David, Daniel, Costa, Tony I, all of you. Thanks for being here. Uh, this is one of our last usage shows. Everyone loves these. We've had a blast with them all season long. We've been ahead of a lot of curves, a lot of breakouts. Some really good stuff, thanks to Hayden's fantasy usage model. And this is what we're going to do. As always, we go through running backs, wide receivers, and then for tight ends, you got to go to underblog.underdogfantasy.com. All right, let's start at the running back position. And here we go. We start off with the list that you gave me with David freaking Montgomery. 21 carries for just, yes, just 45 yards. I believe he had a score in there. Did have seven catches for 61 receiving yards. Hayden played on 58 of 74 snaps. Just from my eyes, I'm assuming that the usage model loved him this past weekend, despite potentially the lower efficiency in production. He went absolutely off. He had a season high in fantasy usage. He's currently the RB1 over the last month in expected half PPR points per game. He's just been killing it with a bunch of receptions and targets the last four games nine six seven nine targets this is like what a bell cow and fantasy looks we should expect him to keep underperforming the model just because the bears offensive line is bad david montgomery is a little bit less likely to hit a 60 yard home run like some of the other backs that are up high in the model but this level of fantasy usage is pretty close to unprecedented and he's going to be a top 10 back no matter what the team total is supposed to be because they have nobody else to throw the ball to. Allen Robinson's dealing with COVID problems right now. Darnell Mooney 
is just not that guy. He's a nice role player, but they just have nobody else to throw the ball to. Cole Komet is really struggling. One of the least efficient players in the entire usage model over the course of the year. So really, it's just like, what are we good at? Well, we're kind of good at moving the ball with David Montgomery. So we're just going to lean on that. So he's going to be a top 10 back for me. Who still looks great, and he's running over the face of some of the Seahawks that he was facing off against this week. I am a little nervous where we can point to usage and sometimes say, hey, when regression hits, that means they're going to put up a boatload of points. But typically that's with average offenses or great offenses. I think you and I can both claim that the Bears offense does not qualify for either of those. I mean, they are continuously in the bottom five or, or bottom six in expected points every single week. And in fact, it hurts a little bit that when Khalil Herbert got his first touch of the game, it was split out as a wide receiver moved into the backfield. The Seahawks linebackers dropped about seven, eight, nine yards away from the line of scrimmage. And it was an untouched, what 20 yard touchdown he had. And so we'd love for David Montgomery to get that because I think I'm still seeing the juice. I'm still seeing the type of player that, you know, we drafted that we really like. It's just as a whole, when these things have to line up so perfectly for a team that is bad offensively, it's tough to do that. Yeah, as a reminder with the fantasy usage model, regression is to the like the player mean. When I'm talking, like we have to make our, the adjustments based off of our own evaluations because the model saying, what would the average player in an average offense do with this level of touches? We know that this is not an average offense, so we should be expecting David Montgomery to underperform the model's projection, but not that much. Like Most players right. are within just a couple points of what the the model is saying. So yeah, he might not be the RB1 overall, but I, I feel pretty comfortable that he's going to be a top 10, top 12 back. And I think that you should be pretty happy um, if you have him going into the finals. Yeah, Dave Montgomery is the only running back with a target share above 20% over the last month. That comes from TJ Hernandez. No other back has a target share of at least 16% in, in that span. And yeah, he gets the New York Giants during your fantasy football playoffs. Next name, Sony Michelle, a darling of the show we were ahead 27 carries for 131 yards and a score also at four targets daryl henderson didn't get a first half touch hayden and then he was injured on that first touch which happened in the second half this is three straight years now of that daryl henderson can't finish a season and to me it's exactly why so michelle was brought in at the start of the season but as we have talked about the, the, the Rams have changed their ways and really leaned into, at least for the running game, the strengths of what Sonny Michelle brings to the table. Yeah, and it's the perfect complement to the passing game right now. So it's just going to be more of the power rushing with Sonny Michelle. He is the RB4 in fantasy usage over the last month. In those four games, 23, 15, 13, and 24 expected half PPR points. There's basically no competition right now. They might activate Cam Akers, but I'd like to see that before I actually believe in it. Uh, there's some like uh, contract stuff, which like they're they're kind of throwing Sony Michelle a bone by activating him right now. Cam Akers, um, yep, yeah, for Cam Akers. So I don't think that he's going to be around. It's going to be like Jake Funk. Remember Jake Funk? Oh yeah, all the preseason stuff. I think he's going to be the new RB two, which means there is no RB two. It's going to be Sony Michelle's backfield. The Rams for the rest of the season are going to be projected for 25 plus points, basically regardless of the matchup. And I don't think that they're going to be like number one neutral. Uh, pass rate every single week this sony michelle stuff is partially working and i expect him to continue being an rb1 sony michelle leads the nfl in rushing yards in december more than jonathan taylor Why? at 421 wow. isn't that crazy 423 yards here for for sony michelle what, what you pointed out with k makers i think is important because he was activated for these final three games but he didn't even travel with the team last week jordan Rodriguez, friend of the show said it was to throw a bone, as you put it, for contract purposes, because you need three games on the roster, on the active roster, in order to get, you know, I think that year's accrued season. And so maybe he comes back for for the playoffs and, and helps you there. But we had talked about it, how even with just Hendo and Sony, that Sony was the the great value for playoff best ball. And now, and now we're getting it right now, and hopefully it doesn't change too much with K-Makers. I think that why would they change it unless they just know inside that building that Cam Makers is fully back because it's working here with Sony. And, you know, we talked about how they'd gone heavy personnel in the last couple of weeks and extra offensive linemen, you know, two tight ends because of COVID, because of changing so many offensive linemen, they really weren't able to do that this week. And a lot of the big runs on the outside zones, it was Tyler Higby on the edge and then Cooper cup directly next to him as basically a, a second tight end. And, 
Sony read those blocks perfectly. Sometimes they were to the front side, sometimes to the back side, sometimes he hit the front side, sometimes he hit the back side. And just his ability, and we've even seen some big-time runs from him of 10, 20, 30 yards too. It, it, it completely has changed for them to get out of that stale factor. And I know people hate using rhythm and engine and everything, but while Matthew Stafford's play has declined a little bit as we go along, the running game is more stable than I think it's been since you know the first four or five weeks of the year. Yeah, he's just so much more experienced than Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. And the one thing with Cam Akers, like he was an athlete kind of at running back. That would probably be his strength. Definitely bell cow type of profile, but he's still not the rhythm back that Sony Michelle is. So even if Cam Akers is back, I still think that they would rather have I need four yards. I'm getting four yards from yep. Sonny Michelle. And if we need 25 yards for a big play, that's when we hit the Odell and Cooper Cups uh, throws down the field. So I think that this is here to stay. And he's still being drafted 40th overall in NFL playoffs best ball on underdog right now. That's way too low. Just way, way too, low. too low. Way too low. Again, I want to repeat that Daryl Henderson in his first two years left with ankle or foot or whatever injuries and couldn't finish the season. I think it's going to happen again to him this year. Like this was just the – the idea of the process and trading for someone like Sony Michelle and just again shows you how long an NFL season can be when Sony was barely used for the first half. And now as someone in the second half who was changing leagues, changing titles in your hands. I know we don't have this name on our sheet to talk about, but here it is from David. We know Sony Michelle in week seven, or excuse me, in week, yeah, week 17 going against the Baltimore Ravens. Can we also bring up Damian Harris's fantasy sure. usage? But because without Ramondre Stevenson, we saw Damian Harris go off for three touchdowns, go off for over 100 yards, even in a loss. Again, that team is playing a different sport, as you put it, in terms of their lack of passing over expectation. And we usually love running backs when you know production follows in that environment. So he absolutely went nuclear last week and – uh, he's actually the number one in half PPR points at the running back position over the last month, but obviously he missed some time and all that stuff. But he had 13.8 expected half PPR points in his week 16 start. Obviously, we should expect that number to be better against the Jaguars because of uh, game script reasons. So, yeah, I think that Damian Harris would have to be in most lineups out there. The Sony Michelle versus Damian question that gets really tight just because the matchup and the usage is a little bit different. Obviously, the Ramondre. News will help. Damien is better off when Ramondre is missing. There's no doubt about that. Right. We've got a, a preview show. We've got a Sunday morning show to, to give you the answer to, uh, to both of those. Okay. Moving on. Eagles running backs. Miles Sanders has some sort of injury in his hand. It might be like a hairline fracture. It might be ligaments. Who knows? He's out of week 17, though. That's what Nick Sirianni has said. Jordan Howard also dealt with a stinger in my MRI results came back and they were positive Hayden in a good way. They were good. Uh, so then we also, we have Boston Scott. We've been here before, haven't we? Uh, in a game that Miles Sanders missed Boston Scott was the early down runner against the Detroit lions. He had two touchdowns. He was subbed out, put into bubble wrap when they dominated that contest that led me, I don't know about you into thinking like, Oh, that means that they believe Boston Scott is, is, their early down player and they were just keeping them healthy for the next week. And then that next week came along. I was locked in and Jordan Howard saw 10 freaking more touches in a loss to the Los Angeles chargers. So if we can put that in our back pocket, think of what we just saw here in week 17 or week 16, where does that leave us for week 17? Hayden? So Miles Sanders was rolling, going to be a bell cow. And then he gets hurt right at, uh, going into halftime. Jordan Howard then basically has all the touches near halftime, then he has a stinger. And this is important because this is not Jordan Howard's first stinger. And the previous one uh, left him on the sideline for weeks at a time. So I would say Miles Sanders is out. I would say Jordan Howard is likely out. And Boston Scott last game was the one that came in and he finished out the game uh, when they had the lead. Kenny Gainwell only had like one or two touches the entire game. And going back to week 12, uh, that was when... Um, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders were out in that game. Boston Scott had 17 expected half PPR points. Kenny Gainwell only had 3.9. I think that Gainwell's just been kind of left for dead. And I think that they are going to trust Boston Scott. And I think that Boston Scott's got to be one of the top waiver wire pickups of the week. He might be somebody that you just start immediately just because 
how run heavy the Eagles are and how efficient they've been on the ground too. So I think this is where it's like efficiency and the usage model kind of combined. And I think that Boston Scott is good enough as a pure talent to handle both types of phases. So I think that he, I'm probably going to be ranking him inside like the top 15 this week, assuming both those top two guys are out. I hope Jordan Howard is okay. I hope Jordan Howard misses week 17 because that makes everything so much clearer. Um, again, I thought we had it figured out earlier in the year and that lost the Chargers. Howard got 10 more total touches than Boston Scott, despite what they showed us, you know, the week before. And it's it's interesting to, to think about this arc for Boston Scott, who I think a lot of the beat writers pegged as their passing down player in, in training camp and in the preseason. And then Kenneth Gainwell gets all that work early on. And then we go and see Boston Scott as he's, you know, been productive this season. And it's really as like a power runner. It's really as like a between the tackles player. He's awesome there. He's fantastic there. And so if he does get that opportunity behind this top five, arguably offensive line, especially against the run, boom, love that spot. Love that you can trust a player like this. And hopefully he he becomes a legend here in week 16 yes. in your fantasy finals. Miles Sanders was top 10 in usage and production among running backs over the last month. So that's the kind of framework that we're going to be working with with Boston Scott here. Yeah, and it's because the Washington football team dealing with tons of COVID, dealing with tons of injuries. And we just saw the Dallas Cowboys put up a 50 burger against them. And we'll get to that team here in a moment. Uh, okay. Brown's time. Namely, Full Chubb, some guy named Nick Chubb, 17 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 58 yards. I missed this game live, rewatched it this morning. It's just insane to me, Hayden, that the Browns elected to go away from the one thing that was working, and that was Nick Chubb creating explosive plays, something that maybe a lot of rushing attacks and running backs, you can't rely on that from team and in and team out, but the Browns are different. This is where all their explosive plays should come from. Five carries of 10 plus yards and another screen for 30 something early on. Yeah, I think right now it's in their own tier, Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb. We're just talking about best pure rushers in the game. I don't even think it's close for the next ones after that. Uh, but yeah, Nick Chubb, it is full Chubb right now. 15.4, 14.8, 14.5 expected half PPR points since the buy for years. Nick Chubb has been over expected. Uh, when it comes to the usage model already. So we're talking about an elite RB1. He's top 10 uh, in the usage model right now. And it seems like the last couple weeks, he's just been in the worst environment. But all of a sudden now, the wide receivers are back. The tight ends are back. Baker's back. Offensive linemen are coming back. So I think it's a situation where his environment's a little bit better than it was two or three weeks ago when it was like basically unwatchable offense. So I think that we could have another massive game from Nick Chubb, assuming Kareem Hunt's uh, out at least another game. Yeah, and when they get light boxes, uh, like a singular linebacker, so it's basically five on five, uh, off to the races. Duck. Like he'll pull, he'll he'll follow pulling blockers. If the linebacker, I think like Devondre Campbell did, is trying to undercut it, and then he just gets out in space, and then you know the linemen get to the second, heck, even third levels, and then just his ability to break arm tackles once he gets to the safeties and the corners. Yeah, I mean that's that's so much fun to watch and. Again, I know it's really tough when you're working against the clock and you're down, but I just cannot believe they didn't lean into that more and more in like that final two or three minute situation that they had. They get the Pittsburgh Steelers there on Monday night football in uh, in week 17. So maybe Nick Chubb is the player to win you in the final game of week 17. Okay, Ronald Jones, we wanted to talk about here, Hayden, because he popped up for an injured Leonard Fournette. Got a touchdown. Bucks dominated the Panthers. What do you want to say here about Ronald Jones? In his first start, got 16.8 expected half PPR points, which is basically what Leonard Fournette was averaging as the lead back. Uh, of note, 21 of his 23 opportunities came on first and second down. Keyshawn Vaughn was being substituted in on third down, but that doesn't even matter that much because just how much the Bucks are going to run the ball, especially when they get positive game scripts. Uh, Ronald Jones is an effective r- rusher here. I thought that he looked good as a rusher. Now, when it came to the passing down stuff, we had a couple issues here for Ronald Jones. He had a brutal uh, blitz p- uh, pickup right here, completely O-Latum. He had a couple drops. He was late to turning his head on a couple of these passes that obviously Leonard Fournette was catching and scoring touchdowns with. So I think that uh, Ronald Jones just isn't that dude. 
but that dude doesn't matter in this offense because everything around him is so good. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, who's his biggest threat right now, hmm. he dropped a pass out in the flats too, and he wasn't getting that much usage anyway. So I think that Ronald Jones, we have to close our eyes when it's ever a passing situation, and Tom Brady might ha- have to smack him upside the head a couple times per game, but you close your eyes for those plays and ride him as RB1 for the rest of the year. Jets and Panthers, the two teams the Bucks Ooh. have the rest of the way. I mean, pillow soft it is. Yeah, I'm the pass pro police I think it dictates and shows us a lot why some of our favorite players aren't out there in passing situations and why, you know, backups are in heck, even like Samaj P. Ryan versus Joe Mixon this year. I think Samaj P. Ryan's just been a better pass protector, even though Joe Mixon's, you know, not a net negative in passing situations. Um, but it got to a point for a handful of snaps where maybe Tom Brady decided this or they just thought it was a better use of this, that Cameron Brait was attached to him as a running back in the backfield. Um, so, Look, these environments that the Bucs are going to find themselves in, like we just saw against the Panthers, the Panthers again in week 18, and then the Jets in in week 17, it's not like a, hey, one mistake that changes the game and you're out of there. Like, I think they're going to have a pretty long leash here for for whichever back is out there. And again, behind this offensive line, you're going to be productive no matter what, especially in positive game script because you're going to be inside the 20, you're going to be inside the 30, you're going to continue drives, you're going to create yards for you, and that's exactly what we want to hear with uh, with running back insurance when the time comes for them. Yep, I'm totally with you with the pass protection stuff. It matters, but it only matters relative to the competition in your own backfield, and in this case, they just do yeah. not trust Keyshawn Vaughn, who had an excellent run where he made two defensive backs Miss for that long touchdown. That was very impressive stuff, but still some of the other stuff. It's like the trust factor. So Ronald Jones just got lucky that there's not somebody pushing him even harder behind him. And as long as he is healthy, Leonard Fournette's going to come directly back into the role that he exited. I think that's fair. He's one of the best playoff best ball picks right now, too. He's he's dropped from like top five down to like 18th overall. And now we don't have to deal with the first round by. So Fournette, Amazing. let's go. Uh, Cordero Patterson. Again, speaking on how long a fantasy football season has been, just seven carries for 14 yards, did get a walk-in score on fourth and one, I believe, off left tackle. Uh, Just eight snaps at wide receiver this past week and 17 at running back. Meanwhile, Mike Davis had 25 running back snaps. I think back to a quote that Arthur Smith gave a couple weeks ago, basically saying that, hey, we're going to start sitting veterans a little bit more often in in games. I think maybe the Falcons weren't eliminated from playoff contention, even though he was saying this. I know that, you know, coaches can say that and maybe they don't mean it. Based on his usage here the last two weeks, Hayden, I, I, I really believe in what Arthur Smith is saying, and he might be looking towards 2022 here with CPAC. Yeah, he his 7.1 expected half PPR points were the lowest since week one. And his routes have dropped down to 44% last week. He basically had 50-50 split with Mike Davis. So it just comes down to he has to just be super efficient. And I really do not like betting on outliers to that much extent when the usage is dropping. So I think he's more of an RB2 uh, for this week. I haven't looked at matchups or anything like that yet. But I think that his usage is trending down and it's basically back to a 50-50 timeshare. And the Falcons are now second to last in success rate as a, a, a running team. They have a 30% success rate. When they try to run the ball, they're getting enough yards only 30% of the time. Only the Texans are worse than that. So this is just a really bad situation, even a situation that Cordero Patterson is going to have a tougher time to overcome. I think he's more of a boom-bust RB2 this week. And they're playing the Bills. They're playing the Bills in Week 17. So I, I can't play them against the Bills with this usage the last two weeks. I can't do it. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's really tough for a player that who's been spectacular this year, but maybe he gives us more spectacular in 2022. Okay. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, the Broncos backfield was abysmal against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I didn't get to watch this full game, Hayden. I'm sure you did, uh, but the box score is laughable. Uh, Melvin Gordon had seven carries for negative four yards. Javante Williams had seven carries for 12 yards that get a one yard touchdown score. Was it, as simple as like the Raiders dared Drew Locke to beat them and just played it out to stuff the run of where the most consistent elements of the Broncos offense is. And that's through, you know, MG three and it's through Javante Williams. 
Yeah, so they had a some offensive line concerns bigly in this game. They had some drop passes, but also just Drew Locke just not having uh, as clean of a game as someone like Teddy Bridgewater would have. Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon since the bye is averaging 10.8 expected half PPR points. That would make him the RB26 in the usage model if you took out the one game where he started. And then Melvin Gordon during that same time frame is the RB25 in fantasy usage this offense just sucks, man. Like there's just yeah. no, there's no other way to say it. And we can talk about the the wide receivers here too. And Noah Fant right now, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, um, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, all of them are outside like the top 60 at the position because they can't move the ball. They had, they had like 131 passing yards with everybody healthy last week. It's just unacceptable, way too slow pace. They want to win with their defense and there's nothing good about the scheme. The offensive line is banged up and it's just, not good enough. And right now, um, I know some, I saw like Javante Williams, like a top 10 consensus running back last week. I had him ranked way lower than that. I have no idea what everyone's on, like what drugs are using ranking Javante Williams that high. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. He's a, he's a, the, the one B for the Broncos. Like let's right. take a second here and realize the situation that we're in currently. Yeah. Lots of changes, hopefully ahead for, for the Broncos. I, I mean, it's admirable that they look better. I would say in the second half of the season versus the first half in some ways, because like how they were winning the first half of the season, it wasn't sustainable. When remember when Teddy was like one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, that was a crazy three or four weeks span. And then they, you know, tried to find out who they were with defense, but then like Vic Fangio's Vic Fangio, man. And not to be ageist here, but it just doesn't feel like, especially on these fourth down calls and all that kind of stuff. Like they are built to play in how they built their roster. You know what I mean? Like they've invested so much in skill talent, but the way that they play while they still have invested a lot in defense too, it should like all be on offensive linemen, you know, this, this team comes down to which quarterback could they recruit to come to this team and which head coach is going to be doing that. So it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see if it's going to be like Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers from green Bay. They're going to like try to do that, but yeah, we're going to learn a lot about this team in the off season. Unfortunately, I don't see a, a single fantasy starter, um going into this game like if you're if you're starting melvin gordon or javante williams i don't i don't know how your team made it to the finals after last week michael carter 16 carries for 118 yards just 16 touches the season inside the 10 yard line but he has four touchdowns on those what i love about michael carter in this game we got back to the you know the big time runs that we love from him in between the tackles like again i don't want to typecast and i don't want other people to typecast michael carter Similar to Boston Scott, he's great between the tackles. His vision is impeccable. He broke five tackles this week. That was like third or fourth most in the league at the running back position. I know it's against the Jaguars, but at least we are finishing the season with Michael Carter getting this like full rushing work because we got that at points in the middle of the season too before he got injured. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think that he's a little undersized, which has some concerns, but he could run between the tackles. And even at North Car- North Carolina, he wasn't Javante Williams' third down back. They were like rotating drives where he was running between the tackles because that's where his strengths are. But for the fantasy usage model, really starting to like Michael Carter again, 73% of the snaps. He started over Tevin Coleman. He had 16.8 expected half PPR points last week. And there's one little note that I've been kind of monitoring throughout the entire season. But if you look at what the Jets have been doing with their neutral pass rates, it is much lower whenever Zach Wilson is starting. Right now, it's 46% neutral pass rate whenever it's Zach Wilson starting. That was above 60% when it's all the backups. And last week, they had their lowest neutral pass rate. So even though Zach Wilson doesn't throw the ball to his running backs as often, if they're going to just run the ball more, we'll still take some of the, those points as well. So I think that Michael Carter is somebody that is trending upwards the problem it's the bucks this week so it's like the worst matchup imaginable but i think if you're looking for a streamer or somebody to plug in i think michael carter's usage is at least trending in the right direction for long term like i think the tape and stuff is looking pretty good for him moving forward the jets have their left tackle who hasn't played much this season obviously the left guard and elijah vera tucker they have their wide receiver and elijah moore plus Corey davis in that big contract they have the running back in and michael carter hopefully zach wilson you know, continues to progress with their offensive coordinator. Uh, and even like their other picks in terms of center and Connor McGovern, right guard and right tackle, like Morgan Moses, George Fant, like they've stepped up at times too. 
you know? So this isn't an awful roster heading into heading into 2022. The most important spot, though, has to be a quarterback progression. Devin Singletary, last three weeks, 64 snaps, 65 snaps, 54 snaps this past weekend, 12 carries for 39 yards and a score, and maybe most importantly, five catches for 39 yards. Those are the numbers in the receiving game that stand out to me most, Hayden, because he was running these little stop routes over the middle of the field that Josh Allen was hitting in rhythm, like getting to his back foot and boom, firing it out there. And that's not something that we see from this passing attack all that frequently. And and maybe it's just a little, not wrinkle per se, because the rest of the league does it consistently, but something that's like in the phase and in the script of the play that can be utilized more and more as we go down the stretch here. Yeah, that was because they were playing a lot of zone defense against them, especially early on in that game. So that's where Singletary was getting that stuff. But even Matt Breida, that was in week 15. Uh, as the backup. And then Zach Moss was the backup in week 16. It didn't really matter. He basically had the same workload, 14.2 and 19.3 expected half PPR points in this the last two games as a bell cow. All of a sudden, he's somebody that is getting like borderline RB1 usage. And I don't think that's going to change. He's just been the better back. He's the more reliable back. He can play at the goal line uh, on passing downs and all that stuff. So I think that um, he's kind of here to stay. And I think that th- we should be paying attention to him um, especially what they get the Falcons at home this week, like you said. That's yep. that's I'll be ranking them higher than I've ranked a Buffalo Bills running back probably since I started uh, working here or at Roto World a couple years ago. Zico Elliott nine carries for thirty-seven yards and a score. They won fifty-six to fourteen. Very similar to me in terms of the progression of his play in a singular game when they went up 24 to nothing against the same Washington football team just a few weeks back. I know a lot of people then pulled just the usage data and it said that oh Ezekiel Elliott had 15 touches Corey Clement had 13 touches all that kind of stuff but if you looked at it in the entire third quarter when the game was in hand at halftime Zeke's sat out and then came back into the game in the fourth quarter when you know Washington got it close guess what again 56-14 Washington didn't get it close so Zeke was not needed in this contest yeah that's been three straight games and it's just kind of unfortunate that he hasn't been playing any of the fourth quarters but the offense looks so good and he's getting the goal line work and all that stuff that I think that you have to be uh, pretty happy with what Zeke could possibly do, not only just next week, but into uh, NFL playoffs best ball as well. I think that he looks better, a little bit better, says he's put on the knee brace and he says he's getting better. I like that as well. Uh, Tony Pollard did play quite a bit in the first half, though, did get an inside the five uh, yard line opportunity. But I think that right now, just this team looks really, really, really good. And yep. Zeke Elliott's going to be right in the middle of it all. So I think that right now he's going to be like a borderline RB1. He's going to be a little volatile because of the situation, but the, the ceiling is like really, really high. Aaron, and by the way, love all the Cowboys in, in playoff basketball. I can't wait. I know so many of you are waiting until that final week after week 18 heading into round one to go and attack playoff basketball. I would say get a couple of these drafts underneath your belt because it's a mind fuck to be honest with you, once you're in it. And it's just better to have a little bit of experience doing it beforehand and not just reviewing your draft, but the five people in your league as well. Um, But I can't wait to talk a lot about playoff best ball heading in again to that first round of the playoffs. Packers time. Aaron Jones, 12 carries, 66 yards, six targets. AJ Dillon, nine carries, 41 yards, three targets. You had been suggesting this despite, you know, AJ Dillon, having high, high, high efficiency, Aaron Jones had kind of been the player at times to get more opportunities. Yeah, but right now it's since it's an even split. Right now, both of them are cannibalizing each other. AJ Dillon's the RB32 in usage. Aaron Jones, the RB34 in usage over the last month. So it's you're completely banking on efficiency. I'm going to be banking on Aaron Jones as the person in the passing game, but AJ Dillon's handled 80% of the goal line touches since Aaron Jones has been back. So right now, like you can't rank either one of these inside the top 15, in my opinion. I think right now it's a almost a 50-50 split. It's kind of the situation where if the Packers go out to a lead early, it's going to be an A.J. Dillon game. If it's closer, then Aaron Jones is going to be the one kind of leading the way. So it's it's a very tough backfield to predict. But I think right now it's pretty easy to overrate these two. Um, and I'm a little concerned that this is becoming a 60-40, 50-50 split, kind of depending on the game script. I can't wait believe that we're doing this again, but we're talking about the Chiefs' backfield because 
Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went down with a collarbone injury. It's not broken after x-rays, but in step again, Darrell Williams in his absence, 11 carries for 55 yards, three catches for 30 yards. In week 17, they get the Cincinnati Bengals. A solid yet unspectacular defense. The offense is playing very well. I'm assuming, and I'll try to look it up here in a moment, that you know, game total is supposed to be very, very high. We just talked about you know, the likes of Damian Harris, the likes of Ronald Jones as running back insurance to play in Week 17. Where should we come down on Daryl Williams? In his five starts this year, Daryl Williams is averaging 16.2 expected half PPR points, which is clearly RB1. And right now, the Chiefs offense just looks better. So, I mean, this offensive line is really good. Like, I, I've been seeing people saying, like, Creed Humphrey for Offensive Rookie of the Year and stuff. And, like, Trey Smith also in the conversation. Like, it's pretty crazy how good yep. this offensive line is. And it's, like, great run good, good run blocking. Yeah, yeah that's the key. So, I think that Daryl Williams is definitely going to be involved. Uh, I have been noticing whenever Derek Gore comes in there, he looks like the fastest player in the field. What's up with this? <laughs> like his explosiveness is out of control. So that's in the back of my mind a little bit because whenever they're blowing teams out, all of a sudden like, oh, who's this guy ripping off another 25-yard chunk gain? And like it's this Gore guy. So who knows? I, I would love for Derek Gore to go out there in Tim Hightower week 17, the fancy football finals, and again, just become just become a legend. Um, yeah, everyone go Google Creed Humphrey. Uh, he is not a person who looks like maybe the most athletic center in the NFL, not named Jason Kelsey, but he is. It's ridiculous, the composite score that he put up uh, last spring. Okay, let's close up the running back position with another running back insurance player who's really coming to its own. And it's really fun to see. Rashad Penny had seven forced missed tackles here in week 16, Hayden, against the Chicago Bears. That's the second most of the week. Again, coming to the league, he was all about big plays, explosive kick returner speed he's more not considering to a power runner but someone who runs with strength and force and it's really working right now for the seahawks yeah he's balling out and it's pretty cool because he's going in it's he's going into uh free agency and hopefully he gets some kind of workload um going into next season right now he is with somebody that's like my model's like don't believe in this the seahawks right. they're playing so slow and all these plays are cool and i'm glad that he's doing it but a lot of this is like the unsustainable production, like just ripping off a carry from 40 yards out for a touchdown. Like that stuff, just my model just gonna be like, yeah, I don't know about all that. So right now he's the RB 39 over the last month in usage, RB 13 production. Let's say we combine it right in the middle, call him like an, the RB 26, 27 going into this week. Just this offense right now is just not set up to score a lot of fantasy points. They play so slow. They're not efficient right now. And it's super boom bust. So um, Rashad Penny is probably going to be fading if he's going to be like a consensus top 15 back. I think I'm more of like a boom bust RB2-3. I always think it's easier for offensive players and snow versus defensive players because when you're the rusher or the receiver or whoever, you have the plan and the knowledge of where you want to end up. And then defensive players, it's always just reacting. It's always planting and trying to change direction and not knowing where the other player is going that you're trying to mirror. And so I do think of some of those runs, again, the depleted Chicago's Bears defense uh, was because of the weather, too. But we saw it the previous week. And again, Houston Texans were one of those teams, and the Texans should be diced up every time with, uh, with their run fits. All right, before we move on to wide receivers, appreciate everyone who is here. Like and subscribe down the channel. You still have... Weeks and weeks until the regular fantasy football season is over. But don't worry. We're here with you all throughout the playoffs as well with actionable content to help you win, either in Pick'em or in Best Ball for the playoffs. And if you've never played either with Pick'em or Playoff Best Ball, the latter of which the greatest game out there, go and use promo code The Show on Underdog. Whatever you deposit, you get back up to $100 and go and try out all the games that we have, again, plus Pick'em. And we'll talk about more of those on the Friday morning show. Now it is. Okay, here we go. Over to wide receivers. We'll put on the most important names here in the next 20 minutes. Let's start off with A.J. Brown. Someone we talked about during the Monday show, 11 targets, or excuse me, 11 catches for 145 yards and a score. I said it then. I'll say it now. What stood out to me, five straight third down conversions, third and seven, third and 10, third and 23, over and over and over again. He changes the success of an individual player, of the whole of what this Titans offense can achieve now and for the remainder of their season. 
I haven't checked this, but I would guess that AJ Brown last week was the highest dominated fantasy usage by uh, a wide receiver for his team. He had uh, 21.3 expected half PPR points. Next closest among the wide receivers on Titans, 4.3. And then Julio Jones was under one. So the other two wide receivers had like about five and he, uh, AJ Brown had over 20. So that's the type of dominance we're seeing. AJ Brown, another one of those players that I think is being underdrafted um, in NFL playoffs best ball. I think that he could be a top five wide receiver this week. Again, it's just this offense is looking for talent right now. And Julio Jones is clearly not going to be able to make it. So it's just going to be a bunch of AJ Brown. And when they're trailing, that's design stuff. It's downfield stuff. And uh, when they're leading, it's because AJ Brown has been ripping off 50 yard touchdown. So this is like the perfect formula for him right now. And he just makes Ryan Tano more confident. Again, that 18 yard strike threading it between defenders. Tannehill wasn't really making those throughout the last few weeks. That's a bit of a narrative. And what you mentioned with like a single dominant wide receiver, maybe his competition, if we take away the 62 yard catch from Cyril Grayson, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, is Antonio Brown. 10 receptions for 101 yards. And that might not sound like a lot or a lot of touchdowns or that type of stuff. A dominant performance and again we outlined it on the monday show what he has done in five of the six games he's played this season it's like top 12 to top 20 wide receiver stuff and again we can prop up chris godwin and mike evans because they've done it all season long but there is a case to make that all three of these talents are true like number one wide receivers because antonio brown in terms of his routes looks as good as ever yeah so much of that was just like out routes and there was a couple times where it was just Tom Brady was throwing the ball before Antonio Brown was turning back. They had a couple screens and bundle up all that in it. He had 16.3 expected uh, half PPR points last week. If you look at the six healthy games this year, he's averaging 16 half PPR points, which is already number one. And those were with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for the most part. So this is just going to be an absolute top 10 uh, wheels up scenario for Antonio Brown. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet. It seems probably a good time to do it. Uh, the new COVID protocols right now, it seems like the isolation period is going to be five days instead of 10. So I think what's going to happen down the stretch and including in the playoffs, whether you're vaccinated or not, more the players are going to be returning to play quicker. And I think that this could even be someone like Mike Evans, for example, who went on the COVID list on uh, Monday. He might be able to test because now it's five days instead of 10 days, test back in before the next Sunday game. So uh, Mike Evans has other issues, the hamstring and all that other stuff. But I think just as an example, I think some of these players are going to test back in. And I don't think that the COVID protocols are going to be as crazy as they have been the last couple weeks. I'm still expecting a ton of players to test positive, but there's a chance that a lot of them test positive on Monday and are going to be eligible, eligible to play on Sunday. So like, that was pretty big news uh, coming, coming down today. Yeah. It's, it's tough for me to even know where we're at in terms of like, the new elements that get added in and the new wrinkles to these protocols. Um, I don't think it changes very much for the players who are already vaccinated because it seems like it's not as easy done than said just to get like out of the protocols because we saw Travis Kelsey knock it out, but you know, Tyreek Hill did. And there's a couple other cases like that. What this does do for, you know, unvaccinated players is it basically puts them on the same playing field, right? Like it's not an automatic, Hey, you're out for 10 days, which in some cases we've seen, it, that means two games. Um, it puts them on the same playing field. They still have to probably show no symptoms and be asymptomatic and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. interesting. It's going to be like player to player. And like we don't know who's symptomatic, who's not. Their vaccination status is sometimes uh, TBD. So yeah, someone like Mike Williams, who was not expected to play in week 17 because he was unvaccinated, tested positive. Now he seems like someone that might be able to come back. Um, so there's still some minor differences like uh, unvaccinated players still have to be testing a whole bunch and vaccinated players don't. But right now it's just like we have to wait. You can't like try to make projections going forward. There's way too much going on. But it right. does seem like we might, at least for the NFL playoffs, not have so many players, at least on the sideline. And maybe I'm just being a skeptical hippo here. Um, I think they're very fortunate that these were the CDC guidelines. I don't think like this type of mood move would have happened if the cdc didn't say it but it's all just kind of timely as we head into the playoffs uh for this to happen you know i'm just glad that they keep changing the protocols because like the science is telling them this is what we can do so like that's that's good process to me is like if they're not passing along covid for seven eight days in then sure let's bring them back in like just keep following the science and that's 
what they're doing. So I think it's been pretty effective so far. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Only trails Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson in targets per game over the last four. I talk about a lot of players with you each and every week. Low key, Amon Ross St. Brown might be the player you love the most as we as we close the book on 2021. Yeah, young Trojans thriving. You truly do love to see it. In this game, I have a clip right now. On the very first drive, he had a, uh, a swing route from the running back spot. They got him into uh, motion a couple times, got him to a trip set for uh, a little quick out. They had him take this handoff basically from the tight end spot and with two polling linemen for a chunk game as a running back. We had two slot uh, routes, one on like a third and 13 that he had to win one-on-one. He nearly caught a touchdown on this like crazy like backwards whip route. And all that stuff just kind of reminds me of the way that they're using Debo Samuel, where all of a sudden he's playing everywhere and he's clearly their best player and they keep trying to give him the ball. So he's not ex- as explosive as Debo Samuel. Like basically nobody is. He's not going to break through as many arm tackles, but the way that they're using him currently, I think is very smart. And it's very good for fantasy usage. And right now, he's all the way up to wide receiver six in the fantasy usage model, wide receiver six in production. It's basically the best role you can have. Play in two wide receiver sets, play in the slot in three wide receiver sets, get some scheme touches on top of that. I think all of a sudden right now, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think is like a legit on tape and getting like the best usage you can possibly have. So um it's going to be a very interesting conversation. We're already getting in the comments what to do with them for next year. But let's cruise win a win a fantasy championship because of Monroe St. Brown at least this week. No, I'm I'm talking about 2022 already because I know that you have looked at some ADPs since we already have 2022 best ball on underdog. And I mainly want to gear this to DeAndre Swift. If and tell me if you think I'm stupid for even connecting the two. And it's not because of the Debo Samuel comment that you made. It's mainly because and we're going to get into this a lot this summer. And offseason, um, how DeAndre Swift was creating his production early on in the season. We talked about it was all the force missed tackles and explosive plays in the passing game when the Lions were trailing so large amounts in the third and the fourth quarters. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown was not a thing back then. So could that potentially factor into the conversation of DeAndre Swift? Or should we not even factor that in and just think of, hey, now Swift is hopefully going to have more opportunities to win as a pure runner, which he improved as in the second half of the season and actually have like those neutral and positive game scripts more often than what we saw this year. Yeah. I I think that the lines aren't just going to get that much better in one off season. They've committed so much to Jared Goff next year. I think that he's going to be the quarterback. Uh, Maybe they draft a quarterback, but this quarterback class doesn't look that good. Uh, Jamal Williams is under contract next year. I think that he's still going to be in DeAndre Swift's way a little bit. But yeah, I don't know how much to weigh the Amon Ross St. Brown stuff. But right now, go looking at uh, 2022 best ball drafts on underdog right now. Yes, we do have them. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is the wide receiver 49. DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift's the RB, RB10. I think that's about right. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, there's going to be more competition. When DeAndre Swift comes back, all that stuff's going to matter. But I think that Amon Ross St. Brown just like looks better. And the fact that they're using him this heavily right now is pretty optimistic. Cause like, I think there was concerns um, coming out of school that he was only a slot receiver. Like the fact that he's already graduated from that is a positive. So I think that this is about the right rankings, by the way, I'm going to have best ball rankings for 2022, like immediately after the regular season's done. So can't wait for those. Is, is, is he playing in the glorified 12 personnel and two wide receiver sets already? Absolutely. Good. We love to see it. Okay. Speaking of Isaiah McKenzie, potentially the breakout performer here in week 16. I don't know if you can put the special sauce back in the bottle from what we saw of Isaiah McKenzie um, after Cole Beasley left the lineup. And as our buddy Wolf of Roto Street points out, last two games as the Bills starting slot wide receiver, 11 receptions, 125 yards and a score. The wide receiver three overall. And then six receptions, 65 yards, two touchdowns, the wide receiver seven overall for Isaiah McKenzie. We talked about it. What he does so well are man beaters. And against a defense that was running a good amount of man coverage, when Josh Allen was able to create outside of structure, boom, Isaiah McKenzie is his guy. So Colby's great against zone. McKenzie's great against man. What do we do now? 
Well, it makes it even harder because Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis are some of these players that might be able to test back in. We didn't think they were going to play in week 17, but now all of a sudden they might come back. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do. It's too early in the week to figure that out, but I do want to note Isaiah McKenzie's 23.9 half PPR points last week were higher than any of Cole Beasley's as a starter this entire season. Um, so it's something to monitor. The other part of this equation is Emmanuel Sanders has just been doing nothing. He has zero games with at least 12 expected half PPR points since their week seven by he came out of the gate swinging, but I think some of the age and the injuries and all the other stuff that he's been battling through recently has kind of take some of the juice out. He's had some poor drops as well. So this is like a wide receiver group that goes five deep and it makes it really tough to sort out, especially for NFL playoffs, best ball, because it's just a situation where I want to have pieces. Cause I think this bills team has the upside to go to the super bowl, but like which one, like I can see Isaiah McKenzie playing over Cole Beasley. I can see Gabe Davis playing over Emmanuel Sanders, but right now we just have no idea, but I, I I'm with you. I want to see more Isaiah McKenzie. Like this guy's got a little sauce to him. Yeah. I, I looked up which plays like were extensions. And by the way, he was also winning on jet sweeps and they were getting him a little bit more involved there, which is, you know, another wrinkle to this Bills offense. A third and seven. Again, when Josh Allen, who was on fire, when he's on fire, no one can really stop him in this environment because he creates one-on-ones. That went to Isaiah McKenzie, the fourth and two touchdown, another extended play. First and 10. At the early stages of the fourth quarter, I mean, those three were three pivotal, pivotal catches that McKenzie was making, and he was fired up, man. It was so much fun to see. Okay. Michael Pittman, let's do this one quickly. 12 targets, eight receptions for 82 yards. That game stayed in kind of neutral longer than I expected it to. We didn't get a huge Jonathan Taylor game, and that's why Michael Pittman was very important again for his 82 yards. Yeah, Michael Pittman, I this is why I like doing the fantasy usage model by hand. I remove the ejection game. I can remove a game when he gets injured. And if you do that with his ejection game, he's all the way up to the wide receiver 19 in fantasy usage. He's had at least 13 expected half PPR points in the last three games. Whenever the Colts are going to be trailing, Michael Pittman's the only reliable receiver. So I think that he's a upside wide receiver too. Um and I think that we got to be playing him. We'll pay attention to the Carson Wentz stuff. Like another one of these players that might play, might not. Uh, lots to talk about on the Friday show. Should we jump down to the Bengals wide receivers? Or did you want to talk about the Cowboys, Cardinals? Which ones? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the Cardinals real quick. All of them have dropped outside of the top 30 in fantasy usage just because they're all kind of splitting time equally. Um, and the offense just hasn't been nearly as good. The splits I'll have them for the preview show have been pretty drastic without DeAndre Hopkins. And it's just like too many fades. Like I hate like these like Zach Ertz fades, a Christian Kirk fade near the side. I'm like <laughs> enough already with all these fade routes. Um, so I don't really love that. The Cowboys, um, they're kind of in the similar situation where there's a lot of targets to be had. I trust the Cowboys offense a lot more than the Cardinals at this point. But I looked the Cowboys wide receivers. Two of the wide receivers haven't had more than 12 expected happy PR points in the same game more than twice the season. So it's like um, it's an Amari Cooper game. Then it's a CD lamb game. Then it's a Michael Gallup. Game. It's very rarely a game where like Amari Cooper and CD lamb both get 10 targets. Right. So I'm curious to see if that's, if they're going to change it and become a little more pass heavy, but it's a lot of targets. Cause like uh, Dalton Schultz is getting involved. They have the two running backs. Just kind of, it's kind of hard to map out. Going back to the Cardinals, we are going to get one split back because we've we've gotten two splits recently of deandre hopkins out and rodney hudson out rodney hudson hopefully returns and we know how different that offense operates with rodney hudson in the lineup because he's you know setting up the protections setting up the running game all that stuff that helps tremendously and he's such a difference between their success here versus last year although this end of the season feels very similar to last end of the season and the schedule is not that easy for the remainder of the year for them as well. And what stood out to me for the Cardinals is it's all like middle of the field players that are succeeding right now and getting opportunities like Zach Ertz, Christian Kirk, and, you know, come from behind mode last time with 21 targets. You're rarely getting like the Antoine Wesley's on the outside, the AJ greens on the outside as well. Again, I, I don't think Deandre Hopkins this season was as close to his, as he was last year, but when you just like take someone out of a team who you at least believe can win one-on-one when you get that coverage, they don't have another player quite like that. And we know Nuke, even if he was hobbled, is still one of the best, like, my ball receivers 
in the league. And obviously not having that, despite him not having near the production he had last year, is going to impact the whole success of the offense. Yeah, totally with you with the Rodney Hudson stuff. There was two different snaps, one that went for a sticky, another one that just cost him a play where it was either a bad snap or the snap was too early or all that stuff. So it's not just the DeAndre Hopkins stuff. Like, I, I think the offense should rebound a little bit just getting Hudson back. Okay. I know we're in time crunch here. Let's go Chase Claypool, Terry McLaurin. I mean, at least McLaurin and my, I almost put him on the thumbnail in the X column here, Hayden, because like this end of the year, it's a travesty what he's getting. There's a lot of murmurs on Twitter.com that he is headed down the career path of Allen Robinson, and everyone was pointing to Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the savior to finally give him a quarterback. Taylor Heineke at times has at least allowed him the opportunity to make plays down the field, but none of it was like easy. It was all Terry showing his, his individual efforts, and now we're getting games where like even a single catch is tough to come up with at this point. It is, and it's it's tough because you drafted Terry McLaurin. You haven't had a good fantasy year, but at least you were watching the very fun Taylor Heineke uh, for this entire season, so wow. at least you can take solace Stop. in that. Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 64 in the usage model, uh, under 10 expected half PPR points in all games since the week 11. By this offense, suggests become anemic and s- correlates with the offensive line becoming a little bit more of an issue. But yeah, we need Terry McLaurin to have a legit quarterback. Same thing with Chase Claypool. Uh, he's down to the wide receiver 62, basically the same story, bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play. Uh, Chase Claypool is just not playing as much period too. I think he had like a route on like 75% of the dropbacks. So his issues are even bigger than Terry McLaurin's right now. Uh, I don't even know if everyone realized that Kadarius Tony played this past weekend, because this is the, uh, the route chart that we got Hayden. This is called getting Glennon and getting frommed a, a receiver who was extremely exciting during his rookie season when at least on the field at the slot or out wide creating separation against great cornerbacks down the field. And now it's like me running away when I'm six years old and only staying on my block and running around it because I'm not allowed to cross the street. That's exactly what Kadarius Tony was here doing because he's not allowed to cross the 10 yard mark. Everything was seven yards or shorter. This is ridiculous that we're at this point here with your first round wide receiver and heck even Kenny Galladay and neither of these players have combined for a receiving touchdown this season. And that's awful team building. That's so ridiculous. That's that uh, Kenny Galladay is dead last in expected half PPR points over expected. So nobody among any wide receiver this year has done less with his usage than Kenny Galladay. Um, yeah. Kadarius Tony. He only ran a route on 53% of the dropbacks last week. That needs to be higher. What are we doing here? Maybe that's because of the injury. So I don't know. I I hope we get a bigger, at least one game of Kadarius Tony so I can get back in. But like right now, it's, it's very tough to see. Still, three or four usable weeks, round 18 selection. It was worth it. I'm not ruling out another big week like this week. I think that we could see something. We'll see. That's, why, that's why we're together here on the show. Okay, we have two minutes. Is there any other player you want to talk about, or did we cover it all? Um, that's about it. Yeah, we already roasted the Broncos. I had those people on my list. Um, Quickly, yeah, Jalen Waddle. I want to talk about Jalen Waddle because what they're doing with him in the backfield is an even extension versus what we had kind of seen throughout the entire season for him, and and I love it. I I don't think it's a exaggeration, hyperbole to say like the offense flows through Jalen Waddle. And it's, I understand it's speed outs, it's RPOs, it's some manufactured stuff, but his bend to be able to like work past some of these slot corners and get to the second level and, you know, come up with some of these downfield targets, he just moves differently. And Jamar Chase has been unbelievable, but don't take that away from Jalen Waddle. We don't have to like pit rookies against each other. They can all be great. And again, what they're getting in the backfield, all he needs is space to succeed. And he's getting that space to succeed in any which way possible at the moment. Yeah, at least 13.8 expected half PPR points in the last four games up to top 10 in usage and production over the last month, like just so beyond legit. Like he's he's the best. He is the offense. Like everything yep. is basically Jalen Wall. I have one note, one last note for you. Bengals. We had the Bengals season high in, in neutral pass rates. This is what we want to see uh, down the stretch. Let these guys coach Joe Burrow on rewatch was just magnificent inside and outside the pocket. Just keep throwing the ball. Let's go. Zach Taylor might be on your one list if they don't keep that up. 
if it was just opponent dictated like it was earlier in the year. Okay, everyone, this has been Electric Show. Appreciate you, Benjamin, Eric, Scampers, Alpha, One Rock. Yes, including you, One Rock. David, all of you. We'll be back here Friday morning for our game-by-game preview show. Go play Pick'em and Draft for playoff or 2022 best ball over on underdog. Go check out Hayden's column, which is in the chat right now. Appreciate everyone who is here and for you, Hayden, bring that resolution here on Friday as well. Up the bell, everyone talk to y'all soon. See ya. (laughs) 